thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal my soul. Fast this morning, Jesus. Lord, I say thank you for a brand new day. Thank you for the grace to come into your presence again this morning. Thank you for the privilege to worship you, worship my maker, worship the creator of heaven and earth. Lord, I declare this morning that let your name be glorified. Let your name be exalted one more time. Let your name be lifted high above all the earth above all the heavens let your name alone be exalted in the precious name of jesus scripture says that you are the god of all flesh you are the father of all spirits your name lord i declare this morning let it be glorified in the precious name of jesus Lord, we have come into your presence. We have come to read our Bibles. We have come to fellowship with you. We ask this morning, once again, Lord, speak to us. Let your words fill our hearts. Help us to learn in your presence and cause your name to be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eyenike. So we continue studying our Bibles. We have been doing an harmony of the gospel study, reading from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, yesterday we stopped on John chapter 17. Today we will be reading John chapter 18 and begin the process of where Jesus is about to end his time in Galilee and go to Judea. A big thank you to everyone joining in this morning. I, I do not take your presence for granted. Whatever platform you are joining me on, God bless you. I see you on Telegram. Yes, my people on Telegram, on WhatsApp. Thank you. Thank you for the comments on Anchor, on Facebook, on Twitter. God bless you. Uh, so this morning, we continue. Please remember, if you have a comment, you have a suggestion, please send it to murphyayenike at gmail.com. Murphy is M-U-R-P-H-Y, Ayenike, E-Y-E-N-I-K-E, at gmail.com. And then I'll take it. I'll take your suggestion. Maybe it's a study you want us to do, or maybe it's, an, it's a question you have in your heart. So this morning, as I said, we'll be reading Matthew chapter 18. Here, Jesus, the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is captured by all three of the, of the synoptic gospel. And then... Um, that ends okay that ends Matthew chapter 18 mark chapter mark chapter 9 and luke chapter 9 and then we'll go to 
um, we'll go to Matthew chapter chapter 19, a bit of 19, and then we'll look at John chapter John chapter 7. Okay. All right. So let's read this morning. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, now, I'm sure, so like I said, when you're reading your Bible, it is usually uh, difficult to understand unless you remind yourself the context in which Jesus is speaking here. Remember that this is situated in the Eastern culture okay, of Jesus' time. And you will not find children <laughs> among adults. Uh, no. Children were meant, they were not meant to be seen. Children are eating. In fact, they are women too are eating. They cover themselves so that they are not seen. Okay? So for Jesus to place this child among them, he was making a statement just by placing the child there. Okay? So maybe in our own culture, it might not mean anything. But in this culture, Jesus was making a statement immediately. Verse 3, and he said, and he said, Truly I tell you, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now the question is, what did Jesus mean? I think it's right there in the in the verse. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child, ah, uh, so I would think he places the child in their midst. And I think if the child is sitting down in the midst, the child is going to be lower than all of them. Okay, just physically, just picture this, right? The child will likely be lower than all of them. Um, I and I'm sure if you looked at the crowd, if you look at them, at them, you will probably not see the child because you expect them to be taller, higher than the child. Now Jesus is telling them. Whoever takes the lowly position, so we look at just physically first, and then what that depicted. By saying lowly position, is talking about okay, taking the backstage. He is talking about not wanting to be in front because you know something similar had happened before, where James and John, their mom, came to see Jesus and requested that James and John were going to sit on their right hand and on their left hand. And Jesus was like, you don't know what you are asking, okay? And then Jesus would eventually tell them that, look, uh, who is to sit on my right on my on, or on my left? It's not mine to, 
to decide. Now, the Bible says that when when James and John's mom left, the other disciples started fighting James and John. Because obviously they were already, they were also eyeing the position. They just never mentioned to Jesus that they wanted those positions. (laughs) So, and Jesus taught them then that, look, you know that um, among today's leaders, the religious leaders, the political leaders, you know, the normal thing is to lord it over people. But among you, Jesus says it would not be so. For whoever wants to be first must become last. Jesus is teaching the same lesson with this story. Okay? Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child becomes like this child who is not probably not even seen among among you guys. Probably can't would not might not even be able to speak among your child, among um among you, you guys. Okay, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because that was the question. All right, so let's look at causing to stumble. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea woe to the world okay so jesus is saying hmm, better not cause any one of these children to to backslide okay to backslide and when he's saying children he's not just talking about children in terms of as in little children physical children but i think he's talking about generally the children of god whoever causes any one of God's children to backslide. He says, those who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their necks and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. He says, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Such things must come but woe to the person through whom they come. When it comes to this area, I am always very careful. So Jesus is guaranteeing us that people will definitely cause others to backslide. Aha. Offenses will come. <laughs> but woe, ah, woe, woe to those who, they are the one that, the one that bring the offenses. They are the one that cause other people's, other people to backslide. I pray that that is not you in the mighty name of Jesus. Okay? It says, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Verse 8 says, If if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the fire, into into eternal fire. Is Jesus saying that we should be amputating parts of our bodies? No. Jesus is saying that take drastic measures to stop anything in your life. Drastic measures to stop anything in your life 
that is causing you to stumble. That's the teaching. Nine, and if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Throw it far from you. Let it be far. That's what it means to throw it away. Stay away from it. Run away from it. Run away from sexual sins. You know, um, ask God to not lead you into temptation. He says, throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of, of hell. So, you will notice that in on this teaching, Matthew uses more words. So, like we said, we have agreed already that, look, Matthew, Matthew here is, um, focuses more on the teachings of Jesus, okay, compared to Mark and even Luke. So, next we go to the parable of the wandering sheep. And with this one, you will notice, if you are using the NIV, that there is no verse 11. Now, I think <laughs> we are noticing more and more when verses, some verses are missing in the Bible. Before, you did, I'm sure that probably you never used to notice that verses were missing. So... I already explained, but I will take that explanation when we move to um, to the Judean part of Jesus' ministry. That will be, we'll be starting that tomorrow, okay? So the parable of the wandering sheep, verse 10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that there are angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, if you have a Bible, you will see that it will be annotate, annotated and verse 11 will have a comment. It says that some manuscripts include here the words of Luke, Luke chapter 19 verse 10. They include the words of Luke chapter 19 verse 10. So the question is what does Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says? Remember Luke Matthew says that see that verse 10 Matthew 18 verse 10 says see that you do not despise one of these little ones for I tell you that there are angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven so after that you then have verse 11 verse 11 is Luke chapter 19 verse 10 so let's quickly go to Luke 19 verse 10 so these are things we need to pay attention to as we read our Bible. Luke 19 verse 10 says that for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So let's go back to the way that you should, you would read it if you were reading. So if you had a Bible that had the more recent manuscripts, what you will have is a seed that you do not despise any one of these little ones. For I tell you that there are angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So we are saying that in the earliest man, earlier manuscripts, that scripture is not here in Matthew. That's what it means. It's not here in Matthew. It's in Luke, 
but not here in Matthew. So why is it found found here? Again, I will explain tomorrow. 12 says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, of course, it makes sense with, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, right? Because of the story he's about, he's about to tell. But that scripture is not, is not here. Uh, even though it goes with this, the next set of verses, it is not found here, okay? Not exactly. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wanders off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier above about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same in the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish hallelujah 15 says if your brother or sister sins go and point out their faults and yeah we will learn about how to reconcile whenever there are differences it says look if your brother or your sister sins go and point out their faults go to them point out their faults to them one-on-one just between the two of you if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of of two or three witnesses. Okay? So, whenever there is an issue, Jesus says, try to settle it first, directly between you and this person. If the person refuses... Okay, it refuses to listen to you. It says take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of, of two or three or three witnesses. It says 17. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. How would you treat a pagan or a tax collector? Okay, um, not necessarily that you avoid them, but in the sense that your expectation of them, um, you lower your expectations of them. Okay, it drops. You would expect a child of God to forgive, but you wouldn't expect that of a pagan or a tax collector. So J- Jesus says, just treat them as that. Okay, in other words, lower your expectation. 18 says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth, on earth will be loosed in heaven. Some version says, whatever you ask for on earth, whatsoever you you, uh, you ask for on earth, okay, you will know you will have also. Okay, but let's read as it is in the NIV. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, 
there am I with them. This is a promise by Jesus. Wherever two, two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Jesus says, wherever we gather in his name, he will be there with us. Next, the parable of the unmerciful servant. He says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered. I tell you, not seven times, but 70, 77 times. Or some version says 70 times, seven times. Okay, times seven. Yes, but basically what Jesus is saying, 77, 77 times. Um, it says, therefore, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle account with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owes him 10,000 bags of gold was brought was brought to him okay since he was not able to pay a bag of gold usually uh, in the greek is it, it's measured in talents okay so some versions label this as the parable of talents it's also correct okay this was brought to him since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. 27. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coin. A hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He was going to take the guy's life. <laughs> At least his own master was not going to take his life. He was going to sell him his wife and everything he had. Okay, He wanted to take somebody's life for 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me and I will pay I will pay it back. It's silver coins compared to gold coins. Aha. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked, you wicked servant. He said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. In other words, he would die there. <laughs> There's no way he's going to pay back that much, 10,000 talents of of gold. No way. He said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So, the morality of this story, okay, we must only get the lessons or the morality in the story. Jesus is saying, look, forgive others 
learn to practice advanced forgiveness. Forgiveness in advance because God forgave you in advance. God forgave you, Jesus, okay? Even before you asked for Jesus, God did something about your sin even before you asked. Okay, so if God forgives us in advance, we should be able to forgive each other. That is what Jesus is saying. And if God forgives you your sin, and they are many, I don't know about you, my sins are many. I marvel at Christians who who abhor unforgiveness, who abhor malice. They will never forgive. I will never let go. And I'm wondering, wow. I am not sure you know anything about the mercies and the forgiveness of God. If God decides that, okay, because you are choosing not to forgive, I'm not also going to forgive you, what will become of you? Surely you will not make the kingdom. Okay, so we must learn to forgive others just as God forgives us. Okay, so I call this forgiveness, forgiving people in advance. Alright, so let's go to Mark. Mark chapter 9, we'll read from verse 33 to 50. If we can take looks today, then tomorrow we'll just read the concluding part of of all of these guys. Okay, we'll just read John chapter 7, we'll read the last part of, of, of Luke chapter 9. Okay, so Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Mark chapter 9 verse verse 33 to 50 it says they came to Capernaum okay remember that Jesus predicted his death from verse 30 to 32 33 it says they came to Capernaum when he was in the house he asked them what were you arguing about on the road okay what were you arguing about on the road the same thing as the story in Matthew but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. And the servant of all, if you want to be first in the kingdom, in this kingdom, eh, those who are called greatest, are servants. Uh, they are not the one that is served. They are the one who serve others. He says he took a little child whom he took he took a little child whom he placed among them among them. Uh, taking the child in his arm, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Okay? So, uh, you agree with me that I would prefer, I would prefer the way Matthew puts it. Okay? Matthew was by far more elaborate with this. As expected, when it comes to the teaching of Jesus, Matthew does it better. When it comes to relating the events, relating the events, Mark does it better. When it comes to Talking about meetings with individuals, John does it better, and Luke is in between there. Okay, so let's read Luke chapter 9, verse 46 to 62, and we'll stop here today. 
Luke chapter 9 verse 46 to 46 to 62. 46. Remember that Jesus also just finished predicting his death. Okay. We stopped on verse 45. 46 says, An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Imagine Judas arguing with Peter. <laughs> Who is going to be the greatest? I'm sure Peter will be wondering. Judas, you too. You are arguing with me. Who will be the greatest among the disciples? <laughs> He says, who will be the greatest? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Hmm. Okay, so slightly different the way, in the way the story is told, but it makes sense, right? Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. But I think I love Matthews better in that Matthew says he tells the child to stay in their midst, something that their, their culture would naturally reject. And that was a statement. And then he, he tells the child to come to him, possibly puts the child on his lap and is then teaching them this lesson. He says, then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. The one who is least among you who is the greatest. Master said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For whoever is not against against you is for you. Okay, so now no, nobody has captured this story, but Luke captures this story of the Samaritans opposing Jesus. 51 says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set for Jerusalem. This is still all happening in Judea, and he, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Next, we read about the cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus replied. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Is Jesus saying, don't go and don't bury your parents? Obviously not. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Do you have a dead? Of course, it's your father, so go and bury your dead. But you, after that is done, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my, my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. 
So what is Jesus teaching here? What is the cross or the moral the moral lesson from this? Jesus is saying, throw your excuses away. They were all just making excuses, okay? Don't allow anything be enough excuse from stopping you uh, to follow Jesus. Don't allow anything to be excuse big enough that stops you from following Jesus. So this morning, okay, so what are the lessons we take from here? We see the cost of following Jesus as a disciple. As a disciple, don't allow excuses, okay? I don't know, I don't know what family you are from, what nation you are from, maybe um, relationship in your life, uh, maybe you are poor, you have nothing, don't let them be enough excuse to stop you from following Jesus, okay? That's the, the most, for me, the most important lesson for today. But another lesson I think I take away from our reading today is where Jesus talks about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Let's not fight to be in front. I want to be in front. I want to be the greatest. I want to be this. No, Jesus already told us that the least, whoever is last now, will be first in the kingdom. Okay, so don't strive to be in front. Be the one who serves others. Yes, be the one who serves the table. That is what Jesus is saying to us. If you do that, you will be first in the kingdom. Father, we say thank you. We ask this morning that you will help us to imbibe these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, help us to be like little children. Help us to practice advanced forgiveness in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.